All right, welcome everyone. Um, my name is Ray Geik, and I'm your host today for uh, today's Cal Chiefs podcast. I have a very special guest today. It's a good friend of mine. Um, joining us today is Dan Muncy, who is the San Marino County Fire Chief and the IAFC uh, Tech Council Chair, um, which is uh, what we're going to talk a little bit about today. He's also the Vice President of the California Metro Fire Chiefs Association, and he's also on the board of uh, FireScope here in California. Um, and he's also just been um, asked to join uh, something that's pretty interesting. It's called the X Prize, and we're, we're going to talk a little bit about that today as well. So, um, with that being said, Dan, welcome uh, to the Calchus Podcast. Thank you, Chief Geik, and thank you for the listeners that turned tuned in to to listen to us. I think what we're going to say today is pretty valuable. We hope that you'll recommend the Calchus Podcast to your membership and your surrounding agencies. I've been listening for quite a while, and I've just uh, Chief Geik, I appreciate all the information that you've been given to us. It's uh, It's been a great, great idea that Cal Chiefs have done. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And it's uh, it's been a lot of fun to do the podcast. And today's going to be really interesting because, um, uh, you know, you're kind of at the forefront of technology for the fire service and you have been in that space for a long time. Um, Dan, how did you kind of get started with tech? Like what, what got you interested in tech and like what there's not a lot of fire chiefs that are that are at your level that that are in the tech world. But how did you get started? You know, it's so funny, uh, Ray. One of my division chiefs came up to me in, in, last week and he said, Chief, how are you considered the tech guy across the nation? You don't even wear a watch. And in the meetings, we all have our iPads open and you're taking notes on a piece of paper. Uh, he's right. <laughs> I, uh, I am actually fascinated by technology, and I have to thank uh, Mark Hartwig. Uh, chief Hartwig is now in Santa Barbara. He was the San Bernardino County Fire Chief. Literally, there was a meeting with Esri that he couldn't attend, and he sent me in his place. And when I was at Esri, the International Association of Fire Chiefs came, and they were presenting on what they called NMAS, which is um, a, a national mutual aid system that they were proposing. And as I was listening to what they were saying, I didn't believe it would work for California. And I started interjecting in the conversation. It just so happened that the owner of Esri was in the room. He appreciated with what I had to say. And it wasn't anything out of alignment with where California is. We are a high-risk environment. And the challenges that face us in California, the way mutual aid works, it's just different than the rest of the country. But as the owner started asking me questions, the conversation was really between us. At some point, he turned to his staff at Esri and said, I like this guy. You need to listen to what he's saying about California. A week later, I was at a Cal Chiefs meeting and I was uh, asked, to, I was elected to be the operations section chair. And I asked the group if uh, they would be willing to do a SWAT analysis we did and and what came out is that really at that time back almost uh, eight years ago we just didn't really know a lot about technology we knew that it was coming at us and we knew there was all these common operating pictures but we weren't sure about integration or interoperability so we went back to esri and we asked them to host the cal chiefs tech summit and that's how i got started from from the tech summit i met a lot of people in technology had a lot of conversations Pretty soon I was being asked by the software manufacturers if if the Cal Chiefs group could advise them. And we started talking to them about what does California Fire Service need? And that, that right there, I'm going to stop right there. It's so important for all the chiefs that are listening. 
don't just accept the software that you're getting. Make sure you're involved in the associations, in uh, the national conversations to make sure that the solutions being developed actually meet our needs as Californians. It's much different in Minnesota, uh, the environment that they're operating versus how we're operating here. Then I was lucky enough to be invited by the International Associations of Fire Chiefs to go to a few events. I went to Texas, to Texas A&M and started meeting with their staff. And then I was uh, asked to be the International Association Fire Chiefs Tech Council Chair. So it's just been really growth and open-mindedness, Ray. Yeah, I don't wear a watch. I don't use my iPad much for notes, but you'll see that when we're in a meeting, you'll see that I am using artificial intelligence to take meetings notes for me and provide me with the action items that are coming out. Uh, I utilize technology on a high level, but more importantly, I'm making sure that California is involved in the conversation so the technology that is being developed now to support our firefighters truly do support our firefighters. Yeah, so when you started, I, I know you, you guys uh, started the uh, the tech summit here in California, and is that what kind of grew into the IAFC's tech summit? Is that how that kind of blossomed into that, or was it a different, did it happen a different way? 100% right. So while we were, while I was involved in Cal Chiefs Ops section, at the same time, I was back in the National Fire Academy working on my executive fire officer. And we did the first couple of tech summits and we really just wanted people to come to the tech summit. It's important that we have engagement with the manufacturers or simply put, they're just not going to come and we're not going to have this event. So I started inviting people from across the United States that I knew from an executive fire officer to come to Redlands to the Cal Chiefs tech summit. And they were walking away from the tech summit and they were saying, this is awesome. We need to do this in our state. So the next one that we did was in Texas and it was underneath the council of government. And in Texas, there wasn't a lot of innovation or uh, it wasn't a technically technology-driven fire service. They quickly jumped on that bandwagon. We got the International Association's Fire Chiefs attention, and they decided that they would take that to an international level. So now the IAFC TSI, Technology Summit International, truly is international with participation from all over the world. So uh, we've gone to Irving, Texas twice now. Next year, it'll be back in Texas. Yeah, that's awesome. Then you went, you just went to the Tech Summit recently, right? I think it was in December. Is that, as, as I recall? That's correct. Last December. And so in, in the Tech Summit, what, what kind of caught your eye at that Tech Summit? I know there's a ton of stuff there and uh, I've talked to a lot of people that have gone. I have never been to the um, the iChiefs one, but I've been to the um, one here in, in California. But What's what, what what caught your eye there uh, this time? Always was remarkable to me in California with the Cal Chiefs Tech Summit is the interaction and the networking with the chiefs that are in the audience. And right from the beginning, we said, hey, chiefs, the fire chief, chief one, you need to come to the summit, but you also need to bring your team, your operations chief, your battalion chiefs, your union president but we also need you to bring your IT and GIS teams and being able to network across the landscape of California Fire Service and find out what other departments are doing and then looking, hey, well, this worked for us. How do we create interoperability in the systems? Those are the same conversations that you're going to be involved with at Tech Summit International. You're having those, the, it, the ability to really sit down with the software manufacturers, the robotic manufacturers, 
and have a non-sales pitchy conversation is really heightened at these events. As a fire chief, you can really tell them what your needs are. And what's crazy is in a month or two, you'll start seeing what you advise them on their product. You'll start seeing their products change. That always amazed me. And as far as technology, a couple of things. The use of UAS and robotics in the fire service is rapidly changing. The biggest takeaway I had was a mindset. Right now, we view UAS drones as being an argument to the firefighter. I think I had the realization at this last tech summit that in 10 years, robotics is gonna be augmented by the firefighter. A lot of what we do today will be performed autonomously or semi-autonomously. So for instance, we were just back at Carnegie Mellon University and we were meeting with their robotics team and they're developing UAS drones that are fully autonomous that operate um, in GPS denied environments. So they're able to operate underneath trees. They can operate in shadows and mountains. And then they're developing camera systems that have the ability to completely see through smoke. So when you and I, Ray, if we were looking at, we were trying to see houses and obscured by smoke, the robotics, the cameras on it could literally give you a four-dimensional object and make it look like there's no smoke at all. Now they're autonomous and the idea is that we can use these UAS to go into an area and do the structure triage for us or do the damage assessment for us over a large landscape and then be able to provide that information back to us real time. So that's an example where the robotics is taking over a function of the firefighter. What, um, now in your experience, I, I, I know people you know, listen to you, you're, you're in that space. And the things for me that was always frustrating was um, as a fire chief is we just kind of bought what the tech companies were making us and kind of what they thought we wanted. And I know there's such a huge push now that they, they're, they're having a lot of um, input from the fire service and especially from the California fire service, just because a lot of these tech companies are from here um, or based in here. Um, how open are they today? compared to where they were back um, in the old days of, of actually listening to us and actually developing out either the hardware or the software that we really need. When I was started on the Cal Chiefs Ops section, Adam Lozer was there and Adam, that was Adam's big push. He really got together with the tech companies and said, listen, you have to listen to the fire service. The products that you make, they may be great, for you as a researcher, as a scientist or a technologist, at the end of the day, our firefighters are the ones that are going to use this tool. So one of the first things we did on the tech summit is the end of the second day in year one, we got all the manufacturers on a stage together and we started asking them the really tough questions about how are they going to implement the ideas that they received back from the chiefs that were in the conference that was the first question. The second question, we paired them up two completely different vendors, different ideas, different thoughts. And we told them, you have three minutes to decide how are you going to create interoperability between your products? And at the time, Tablet Command was very prevalent. First Do was just starting. Intera was pretty prevalent, but nobody was working together. There was no common operating platforms. There was just simply pictures of, at, at that moment. So we created this condition where the manufacturers on stage had to start talking. And what was crazy 
is they took those conversations and they continued them throughout the year. And we saw a lot of the major manufacturers suddenly start working together. And instead of insisting that the fire service buy their common operating pictures, now there's the integration. So that was, it was tremendous that Chief Lozer kind of start that conversation. And it just really worked because the fire service was paying attention. They were listening to manufacturers. They were asking questions. And then every time we would follow up with them, we would ask about their progress and their progression towards that interoperability. So, you know, we we talked before we kind of uh, push record on on today's episode, and I I know that there's a, an absolute ton that we can uh, get into, and uh, we we kind of talked about maybe doing this as a two part series. Um, and today I kind of wanted to focus on what's what's out there today, and then what I'd like to really come back um, on on a future date and talk and really get into what's coming, what's what's going to be out there you know, five years from now, 10 years from now uh, that you're seeing. But I kind of wanted to focus today on, you know, what is out there right now? What what are fire chiefs, what should we be thinking as fire chiefs today about technology, um, where it is right now, and, you know, where it's going to be probably in the next year, two years, you know, something that's actually tangible that we can see. Um, what What are your thoughts on that? And kind of what are you seeing that Fire chiefs should should know today. What are you telling fire chiefs about that? It's a great question, right? Manufacturers get upset with us. Researchers get upset with us because they create these solutions that we could adopt today, but we don't. And the reason is uh, the fire service is a little slow in adopting technology. And when we implement technology, we need to make sure it's absolutely fail safe. And so it is. we're doing the right thing by being slow adopters of technology. What is possible today? is uh, XYZ tracking of our firefighters. We, uh, the, the, the DART initiative which is a federal government initiative that requires that wildland firefighters are tracked on type one incidents across the United States is something that municipal firefighters, excuse me, fire chiefs should consider. Why aren't we tracking our firefighters in structured fires on hazmats? The technology exists today to do so. When I mean XYZ, X, Y is your horizontal axis, Z is that vertical axis. It's not completely precise on that Z axis as a firefighter's moving up floors. It's not exactly gonna tell you he's on the fourth floor, but it's going to give you a pretty good range of where that firefighter is. If we're serious about preventing serious injuries or death to our firefighters who are trapped, if we're serious about helping our RIC teams find downed or lost firefighters, X, Y, Z trackings is something we need to pay attention to. A couple of great companies are doing that. Second thing is biometrics. We're working, we're slow adopters on NFPA physicals for our firefighters. We're going to be adopting NFPA physicals this year in San Bernardino. And I'm embarrassed to say that we haven't done it in the past because I think we would have caught a lot of illness, including cancer, that has led to deaths in the fire department. We're doing it this year. But an NFPA physical is a snapshot, a point in time. It's only as good as the firefighter that day on the treadmill. We're bringing biometrics and we're going to issue smart devices to all our firefighters. And we're working with a company that's gonna track the biometrics over time. So we're working at a dynamic NFPA assessment. With the biometrics tracking, you're able to, to track exposures. You're able to, to track the stress on the job. You're able to track the sleep patterns of the firefighters. You're able to track the cardiac and even the respiratory. So we're hopeful that as we're engaging in this research and we're working uh, 
uh, with this company and some researchers that we're going to make a difference in the health and safety of our firefighters. What's coming in the future? Santa Monica was at the, the Cal Chiefs Tech Summit, and they presented on their technology plan. And that's something that the fire service should pay attention to. You can't just simply wait for your firefighters to bring technology back to you, or maybe when you're at a conference, you see a technology and want to adopt it. You need to sit down and envision where's your organization going to be in five years? What, what is it going to be in 10 years? What is the outcomes that you want to see? And then what a technology exists to meet those outcomes. So I think they're doing a great job there. We do the same thing here in San Bernardino. We have a technology advisory group. This is literally a cross-representation of our fire department. It is the firefighters, it's the leaderships, it is the warehousemen, it's the person answering the phone, it's our business unit, it's our mechanics. We bring them all in. And then we hired a futurist that looks at where's the future of technology in five or 10 years. And we're presenting these ideas to our TAG, Technology Advisory Group, and we're talking about the future. And then we ask our management information system and our intelligence uh, team to look at what is the backbone that needs to be created to support the future, the infrastructure in the future. As leaders, labor and management, we're thinking about the culture that we need to develop. We have the training division there that's thinking about what training do you need to offer to the organization to meet the future. So some of the things that I see clearly is that uh, mixed reality, the augmented reality and the virtual reality is going to play an important part in how we deliver service in the future. I mentioned autonomous UAS, robotics. Those are all good examples, but you can't just go out and buy an autonomous drone today without making sure you have the, back to, the backbone to support that autonomous drone, the financial piece of it, the, uh, the connectivity that's required to utilize that. How is it going to fit into your operations? Where's the information going to go that the autonomous UAS is collecting? Those are questions that you have to visualize um, the security of that. So I'd, I'd say the low-hanging fruit here right now as a fire chief, we should be paying attention to biometrics. I, I have an agreement with my union, and I know every chief would agree with, would take this approach too, is that the individual's medical information is the individual's, is between them and their doctor. But as a leader, I want to know the aggregate health of the organization. I want to know that if, if we have cardiovascular disease in a high level in the fire department, I want to know about it so that we can change it. And if our sleep patterns are uh, so messed up that our firefighters aren't able to perform at the highest level or, or it's affecting their health, I wanna know about it as a leader so that we can make adjustments. The augmented reality, I'll explain a little bit between augmented and mixed. Um, augmented reality is, is looking through a device, maybe it's, it's a pair of glasses or goggles or heads up display that provides you with information of the world around you. So if I selected that I wanna know what addresses are, as I'm wearing this device, the addresses will appear uh, on the device and tell me that I'm at uh, 57201 Fifth Street, or I'm at 36 Northeast Street, but the addresses may pop up, or I may select that I wanna know where the hydrants are and it'll identify the hydrants, or perhaps I wanna know the names of buildings that's augmented reality. Now, mixed reality is where we take virtual world and we add it into our real world. So that could be um, virtual characters that are interacting with us. It could be virtual systems. I'm looking across the street 
at an OSNY. And OSNY can be automated at this point where virtually I can interact with it. And so looking at the OSNY and then having the ability to control it from across the street uh, is a mixture of virtual and real. So that's, that's your mixture. And then virtual reality is where we don't even need to be in the same geographical space as an object. And in this world, when you start moving into smart buildings and smart designs, you can go into a control room in a high rise and you can start taking actions uh, or maybe augmenting fire pumps, things like that in a virtual world. Virtual worlds are going to our command centers. They're going to go into the next generation 911. Um, they're going to give the firefighters the ability to take the action without actually having to respond to the scene. Of course, we're always Ooh. going to respond to firefighters to most major emergencies. But these things are real and they're coming at us very quickly. My kid, uh, my, my, old, my youngest son actually, so I shouldn't call him a kid, he's 24 years old. He's washing dishes at my house on Christmas and he's wearing the, the Microsoft version of uh, the, the virtual reality, augmented reality glasses and he's washing dishes and he's looking at the dishes but at the same time, he's watching a movie. Uh, he's blending this movie and this movie screen into this virtual reality or, or into our real environment. That's the space that our new firefighters are going to live in. That's the space they're going to grow up in. And it's really going to give us the ability of firefighters to do, to take our craft to an entirely different level. So that's something we should be paying attention to and start thinking through in our own regions. How are we going to deploy these things? That's pretty crazy stuff. Um, I know we talked, we've talked a lot, you know, with like companies like 3M about the XYZ access. I know they do a lot of work uh, with them. They're, they're great uh, partners with us at Cal Chiefs. And one of the things that kind of always blown me away is that, um, you know, to use a lot of this type of technology, we have to think differently as far as the devices that we're using um, in firefighting. I know we still use a lot of handheld radios that, quite frankly, don't, you know, don't do what we probably can do with the cell phone. And uh, where do you see that going with with firefighting as far as, you know, every single firefighter having a smartphone um, integrating that technology. There's just so much more technology, I think, that ties into our dispatch system um, and just everything that a cell phone can do. Do you see in the next, you know, three, four, five years that most firefighters are going to go to some sort of a ruggedized uh, cell phone and basically tap into what technology that brings us? Obviously, there's communications, but there's so many more things that can come up from a cell phone that we just simply aren't utilizing today that's available today but we're just not, we're just not there. Do you see that happening in the, in the near future? Only if fire service leaders let it happen. I think we're almost enemy here, Ray. The ruggedized devices they have, the capability of uh, your cellular networks over our traditional LMR networks is tremendous. But I think personally, I believe that FirstNet has a negative connotation in California. We push back on it. And we've been extremely slow, late adopters on that technology. Across the United States, you see the East Coast adopting it a little quicker. Mm -hmm. um, let's, let me talk a little about FirstNet and our journey with it at County Fire. We are not FirstNet users. When we first started the Tech Summit on stage a couple of times, I made mention how that there were some fire chiefs that jumped on the FirstNet bandwagon. They adopted FirstNet quickly and then it failed. Frankly, there were some of our peers that lost their jobs by over-promising and under-delivering on the capabilities of it. 
so for years I had that mindset and then I had an awakening that FirstNet is our public safety broadband. Mm -hmm. uh, it is absolutely something that fire chiefs should be engaged in. Now, what I would recommend is that you don't just become a FirstNet subscriber and uh, buy devices and hand them out to your firefighters. I don't think that's the right way to implement. We've been working with FirstNet now for six months uh, and we're purposely looking at the implementation of what, what I would call uh, FirstNet as intended. Often, if you ask somebody if they're a FirstNet user, they say yes. And then you ask them, well, how do you use FirstNet? And it turns out they're probably only using FirstNet as their carrier for their cell phones, or they may take the FirstNet black chip and put it to a cradle point. That's not FirstNet as intended. FirstNet as intended is exactly what you just said, Ray. It's giving those ruggedized devices to firefighters. It's about the heads up displays that are going to be mounted in your, your SCBA masks or on your helmets to be able to provide two-way information. It's about connectivity, but it's a whole lot of hardware that we could be using now that we're not. So here in San Bernardino, we've invited FirstNet Authority, which is a federal government entity that was created after 9-11 to work on communication and connectivity in the fire service. We've invited them into the conversation. We've asked them, frankly, for a project manager. And then we've been working with FirstNet AT&T. FirstNet AT&T is the carrier that the FirstNet authority, the federal government chose to be the broadband provider. We looked at our entire county and started doing assessment of our cellular towers. And I think a lot of chiefs on this call probably have at least done that or getting frequent emails from AT&T. And we started looking at where are our dead zones, where do we need to create, where do we need to put additional cell phone towers in? We started thinking about what is our responsibilities in organization. Now, one of the things we've done is as an organization a long time ago is we made sure that our LMR radios, our 800 megahertz radios, had connectivity within building. It's real simple to do that. We took the current fire code and we retroed it back to existing buildings. There's a political consideration there that your councils may or may not want to do. It's expensive. But we require that they put in DAS systems. DAS is a dual antenna system. It boosts your 800 radio, your LMR radio frequency. So when you're in the basement of, say, a hospital, you're able to transmit with your LMRs. The second stage of that was to make sure the DAS systems that are going in also are cellular capable. As we move forward, um, I'm stealing the term mission critical from FirstNet. And we're starting with non-mission critical personnel. So like most organizations, I have fire prevention officers that have 800 radios. Most fire prevention officers very rarely use their 800 radios. So we're looking at um, giving them cellular capable push to talk devices that have the ability to transmit over our 800 system. So that's the first step is, is the non-mission critical. And the reason why we're going to start there is that we have to create a system that's fail-safe, that our firefighters trust. I can't give this system to a firefighter and then have it fail. The moment it fails, they will never use a cellular-based radio system again or a rugged device. The second step is to start uh, testing at events. As we know that when we go to events, our cell phones quickly become overwhelmed. They don't work. Well, FirstNet gives you ruthless preemption. And that's uh, 
there's some controversy across the United States, whether they really do that or not. And it's because mostly because people don't understand how FirstNet works. So we're going to our national orange show where there was often raves. We're going to Glen Helen. We're going out to King of the Hammers where there's a lot of cell phone use. As a matter of fact, a lot of FirstNet capable cell phones. And we're testing that ruthless preemption to make sure that it is worth. Final step is we're going to start bringing those ruggedized devices into the mission critical. Start with our battalion chiefs. They'll still have their LMR radios, but I want them to get used to using the PTT in the fire stations, push to talk in the fire stations and not having to carry their 800 radios around. And then we'll start slowly delivering it to our firefighters. So it's very purposeful implementation. And as we start moving into this world of fire chiefs, it's important that you do engage with FirstNet AT&T. Don't just dismiss it and think, Verizon will do the same thing. Uh, Verizon will tell you they'll do the same thing. But at the end of the day, the federal government is funding FirstNet AT&T for a reason. And it's for first responders. And unless we have those conversations and leaders and we make sure that FirstNet AT&T is being built out in our jurisdictions and our cities, we'll never get there. We'll just be a very, very late adopter of this technology. And in doing so, you're not going to have the ability to do the X, Y, and Z, the biometrics, tracking, and all those other connectivity with your firefighters that we are going to require. Uh, information exchange with robotics and UASs. So you have to have the connectivity. And you want to make sure that you have that public safety broadband that's a secure broadband that is designed for public safety use. Yeah, I think the one thing that was interesting in, in the Calcius conference last year, um, I, I met with some folks and they're they're tied into the Western and they're also tied into uh, to FirstNet, but they'll basically come out and look at your city, your jurisdiction, and see where these holes are. And they'll do an assessment to see where they can help and actually uh, fund towers that normally um, they wouldn't fund, you know, because um, it has to has to have so many subscribers and so on and so forth. And they just simply won't fund those. Those will be, you know, dead spots for 10 or 15 years. But um, there's opportunities to, to do that today in your own uh, areas. And uh, that's that's the whole thing that I've been talking about for a while as as well as if we want to get into using uh, these cell phones to the capabilities that that we can use them for, we have to get the connectivity um, going first, and and because uh, it has to your point, it has to be absolutely reliable. Otherwise, they won't use it. Um, you said something interesting, Dan, earlier about you know uh, tech plans, and there's probably not a ton of departments out there that are. Um, setting up an actual specific uh, tech plan. Um, I wanted to dive into that just a little bit more if we can. And I also wanted to get your thoughts on, do you think there's any value on someone like Cal Chiefs to help maybe tap into your expertise and some other departments that are doing it very well, and then maybe have Cal Chiefs develop out kind of a um, a tech plan? What would that look like? You know what I mean? Do you think there's any value in that, that, that our membership could, could eventually look at and say, Hey, what, what would a tech plan look like? Cause you know, coming from, you know, the knuckle dragger like me, I, I probably wouldn't even know where to start <laughs> for a tech plan. If I was still a fire chief, obviously I'm retired now, but um, what are your thoughts on that? And would that be something that would be a good, good uh, thing for Cal Chiefs to look into? It would be. So I mentioned Santa Monica and it was Chief Plummo that gave the presentation on Santa Monica. They've had an existing plan for a number of years. 
they're slowly building on their plan. Chief Guy, the way I look at it is budget should be a reflection of our values. And budget should not be a reflection of our momentarily needs. It should be where do we want to go? What is our vision? And I think you know, Chief Clumlow's done a great job there. His approach is a little diff different than mine. I mentioned there's a lot of stakeholders involved in our process, and we really look in four pillars. And those four pillars are the budget itself. And we ask our MISIT division to examine legacy technology and a technology we just don't no longer need in this organization, but we're paying for. Let's reallocate those budgets for the future. And I think that conversation is important for most chiefs because a lot of chiefs go, well, I can't afford it. We always come back with, well, can you afford not to do this? And then the third question is, what are you doing today that you just don't need a budget for? The second thing we're looking at is culture. We have a mixture of culture in the fire service. We have employees here that are happy with the technology exists today. They don't really want new technology. They certainly don't want to be operating in a virtual reality world. But we need to slowly introduce the culture into a new vision of where we're going. And so creating a technology advisory group of influential people in your organization that can go and start talking about the changes that are going to occur in the future can open up those mindsets. The third thing I mentioned is creating the network or the backbone to support technology in the future. You just cannot bring technology and drop it in a pile and say, here you go, use it. And the greatest example of that is Microsoft. We've been using Microsoft for years. Um, what we don't do is use Microsoft to its full capability. Most of us use Outlook, we use Word, we use PowerPoint. And then the next level is probably using Teams, uh, but it's so much more than that. We've done a bad implementation with a system that we use every single day. What makes us think that we're gonna be able to implement virtual reality at a high level to where we need to. The, the, the fourth conversation that I mentioned is training. You have to start training the new workforce and the current workforce on how to use this technology. How is it going to fit into the future? When San Bernardino County started with Tablet Command, I think we were one of the first, uh, was Chief Birchfield, one of our assistant chiefs, brought it to our attention and said, hey, I think this is going to be good for County Fire. We were using MDCs at the time. And in order to get the adoption, Chief Birchfield did something very simple. He said, I think we need to start requiring that they're using Tablet Command during the company officer testing. And so when our employees went to captain's testing, they were required to use the tablet command and the adoption rate accelerated greatly. So those four things, you got to make sure your culture is lined up. You got to talk about the vision of where you're going. You have to create the backbone of the infrastructure required to support the technology. You have to find the money. And the way you do that is looking at the legacy and then training your workforce to use that in the future. I used to get challenged uh, by my old boss, Scott Ochoa, and he had a pretty simple line that, uh, would sometimes put me back on my heels um, if I wasn't prepared for it. Uh, but after he said it a few times, I always prepared myself for this question. And it's very simple. It's like, so what? Right. And there's, there's technology out there that I think is being developed and you kind of sometimes say, so what, what is that? And that's what a lot of firefighters are, you know, they, they say that same thing. Um, and they'll look at it from a perspective of, okay, so what, what is, this is cool but it doesn't make my job easier. It doesn't make my job better. It doesn't 
it's cool to look at and it's neat that technology can do that. But do you think that's a danger to, to us in the fire service sometimes um, if they don't see the value? And I think that's another key part to the plan, right? Is that we have to have that value that I think you touched on. Um, do you find that sometimes to be true in, in technology? And you're, you're seeing a lot more technology than most of us. But do you ever get that feeling when you're looking at some stuff and it's like, yeah, that's really cool to look at, but so what? <laughs> yeah, especially in the roles that I've been in, technology comes at me really quick and there's great products that are out there. But having the fire chief drive technology down is completely wrong. I'm really careful not to push technology. Even though I see all this great stuff, what I want it to do is surface from the bottom up. So having the technology advisory group that's working with an independent third party that is bringing technology to their attention and then they're evaluating the technology, you'll have better integration. The question that city manager Ocho is asking you is great. We, we ask, and then it's the same question. What, what are the outcomes that you want to see with this technology? Is truly making a difference in your firefighters and Mrs. Smith's life? Or is this just flashy? What problem are we trying to solve? How does this solve the problem? What are the alternatives that are out there? We shouldn't come up with a complex adoption of technology when there's really simple solutions. Does that technology drive interoperability? Are we just creating another common operating picture or is this going to be part of our common operating platform? The difference between that real quick is a picture has limited capabilities, maybe simple layers, but a platform is able to integrate different common operating pictures into a user-friendly platform that you can quickly switch between those pictures without losing sight of, of engaging in the incident or getting the information that you need. So that's a great question that he asked, and it's something the fire chief should consider. I really am against the fire chief proposing any kind of technology to his, his workforce, uh, even on my level. Again, I, I see a lot of technology, but it's so much better when you have a UAS expert that is out there in the field every single day that's looking at that technology, and he's telling me what he needs to do his job. Or I have one of our one of our firefighters that are just really interested in making sure that we have a healthy workforce. And she's telling me, what do we need to, to make sure that we're managing the health and wellness of our, of our organization? When you have that kind of penetration, you have better adoption. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, you, you mentioned funding a little bit. I want to, and you, you brought up a great point of there's so many legacy, um, you know, things that we're, that we're using that we probably be using for 10 or 15 years that, we're just doing it because someone else put it in place and we may or may not even know it's running in the background. <laughs> and if you don't really pay attention to your budget, I know um, I've done this before. I've looked at things that why, why are we still paying for this and we're not even using it, right? I think we might've been uh, some of the last departments to actually use a pager. I think we finally got rid of it in Ontario maybe last year, but <laughs> I think we were still paying for pagers last year. I'm, I'm, I'm quite certain of it. But um, is there any other ways to look at funding um, that you found is uh, something that fire chiefs should be thinking about today because this stuff's expensive and you know it's it's uh, the implementation I know is very challenging for a lot of tech companies for us they don't understand you know how it takes so long for them to you know say hey we want this technology and then they have to go out to a bid and so on and so forth and that whole process and I know it's challenging on both sides but from a funding standpoint 
what have you found to be successful or what do you know that's out there that could help uh, fire chiefs today, um, you know, bridge that gap a little bit? You give the first answer and it's not the one that you want to hear is that it's our job to find the funding within our budget. We have our budget has to be a reflection of our values. If there's an outcome that you want to see produced, you need to plan to implement that. Uh, it's it's very difficult to implement technology in, in our current fiscal year. It's a little easier if we plan out in the future. You have to prioritize where your dollars are going. Now, with that said, I think that what you're asking for is grants or foundations. I, I'm not the expert at that. Grants are typically not written for, they're funding, they're, 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 they're designed to provide one-time money. The mm -hmm. problem with technology is that often it's provided as software as a service or technology as a service. And grants would be very difficult. There's not very many of them that allow you to do year after year after year funding. So purchasing hardware would be an example of, of grants. We're all familiar with AFG. Maybe it's looking at your budget and saying, you know what, instead of paying for uh, new firefighter turnouts, instead let's allocate that money to technology and let's do a grant for firefighter turnouts, which is high priority for AFG. It's one-time money. The second is looking at foundations that are out there. The, on accident, I made a pitch to a foundation and was awarded a contract, complete accident. I was, I was asked by a group to present a vision to a foundation on wildfire detection. And what we were discussing at the time is the importance of early detection, early response, and I don't mean fire engines, I mean using UAS to respond, early control of a wildfire followed up by boots on the ground containment. And then I was also speaking and challenging the mindset that we're gonna keep fires 10 acres or less 90% of the time. And I was saying that with technology, why don't we say 10 square feet or less 90% of the time? It's a group of people had heard that and they said, hey, we want you to take talk to this foundation about your ideas. And so I did, I did a 15 minute presentation at the end of the foundation. They said, okay, chief, we love this idea. How much money do you want? And it caught me totally by surprise. And I, I knew that we'd been working with one of the major manufacturers in Terra on community risk reduction. And so I just threw out what I thought was a high number, like a hundred grand. And they said, yep, no problem. And I realized at that point, I could have probably asked for a couple million dollars. I didn't know who I was talking to. So funny story. And I've learned before you go do a presentation to anybody, make sure who you know who they are. There is research opportunities or foundation opportunities that are out there to support the fire service. How do you get involved? Through your associations. Your associations like Cal Chiefs will know who those people are. And they want to find membership that have great ideas so they can connect you with the researchers and the foundations out there that can pay for you to bring this innovation. Uh, there's some great grants right now on cancer prevention that I think a lot of fire chiefs are gonna look at and dismiss because it requires that you partner with the research institution. But frankly, if it's good for you, isn't it good for the California Fire Service? Isn't it good for the nation? Shouldn't be we're working together? So a little bit off topic there, Ray. But, um, the third thing I'll mention, and I think this is important, is look at regional adoption of technology. As being in Ontario, and uh, we, we've all been involved in CONFIRE, which is our dispatch agency. Ray, you always had your own with Ontario. When we implemented Tablet Command at San Bernardino County, 
we opened it up and allowed all the con fire agencies to join tablet command and we did a regional implementation and our costs as an agency were greatly reduced they were greatly reduced there's a lot of technology that we can do to save money with that economy to scale yeah i think that's a great way to go and you guys do such a great job of that in Confire, and um and and I would suggest that for if, you know, not everyone's always set up like Confire as far as a JPA with the dispatch center. Uh, but it's not a bad thing to, if you're looking at technology, go talk to those departments around you. Cause if you can um, integrate that number one, it's a good thing. If you can integrate um, departments that are around you that you generally, you know, or auto aid agreements with or mutual aid agreements with. And um, it generally, generally speaking, it's going to reduce your costs if you can get more, uh, departments to, uh, you know, to buy in and get their pricing. Uh, so that's definitely a great way to go. I mentioned the big, at the beginning, um, but before I get into this, I know you keep saying UAS. And so I know uh, not everyone maybe maybe knows what UAS is. So what, is, what does UAS stand for? And then I want to jump into um, this, this crazy thing about XPRIZE and, and uh, get a little explanation on that. Yeah, UAS is... Uh unmanned aerial surveillance it's it's uh, a collective term really for aerial drones uh, uas is probably not right term anymore it's just robotics is the collective term for everything we tend to think of uas as piloted drones but we're really trying to move away from piloted drones and get into semi-autonomous and autonomous aerial drones and then obviously there's robotics that are coming out, especially for search and rescue and hazmat that, and fire suppression are truly tremendous as well. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so tell me about this XPRIZE thing. I know you kind of mentioned it as we were, we were getting prepped for today, but what is XPRIZE and how did you get involved and what the heck is that? Yeah, crazy conversation again. I, I mentioned that I did a pitch to a foundation on early, on early detection using camera systems and adding AI to the camera systems early response using uh, UAS, early control using those suppression drones followed by containment. And then I also challenged that I was, I was interviewed by President Biden's cabinet on science and technology on wildfire. And I put out that we need to have a new metric for suppression of wildfires of 10 square feet or less. When I said that, one of the NASA engineers challenged me and said, Chief Muncie, that's a pretty bold vision. Don't you think 10 square feet or less 90% of the time, that's kind of crazy talk. And I, I reminded the NASA um, scientists that JFK got in front of the nation in 1961 and said, hey, we're going to put a man on the moon. And we did it in 1969. Unless we put out a bold vision, we'll never get there. For whatever reason, the XPRIZE uh, started an autonomous wildfire response track. So XPRIZE has done other competitions in the past with space exploration, oceanography, this year, they're doing a four, it's actually a four-year project, and they're having teams from across the world. Uh, they're, they're offering $11 million, basically, but there's two different tests. The first is to autonomously detect and suppress a high-risk fire in a 1,000 square kilometer. I think that's like 670 square miles squared in an environmentally challenging area, leaving decoy fires untouched. So what they're saying is that you're going to use space-based wildfire detection and you're going to be able to tell what's a false positive and what truly is a fire within 10 minutes over that 670 kilometer area. Then the second 
uh, prize is that you're going to need to detect and then send an autonomous suppression to put that fire out. And then there, finally, there's an extra million dollars that Lockheed Martin's providing to accurate detection, uh, intelligent bonus is what they're calling it. And it's for those that are truly innovative in their accurate and precision detection wildfires. So they asked me to be a judge on this. Uh, I can't say where in the world it's going to be, but it is international and allow me to fly around a little bit and, and judge some of the new technology. We're really excited about the XPRIZE doing this because this will make a difference in our, in our landscape. Not a chief that's listening that wouldn't want to know where a fire is immediately. We certainly don't want fires that are burning out in our forest undetected. We realize that firefighters boots on the ground are incredibly important, but sometimes it takes a long time for us to access these locations. And to be able to autonomously suppress until our firefighters can get there, that truly is going to make a difference. And I think that we're going to get to a better vision away from that 10 acres or less 90% of the time and move it closer to that 10 square feet or less 90% of the time. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty awesome that you got involved in that. And you never know what's going to happen when you go to these things sometimes. Uh, you know, I haven't been any involved in anything that crazy, but um, it's just definitely pretty interesting when you go and put yourself out there and um, some pretty cool things come out of it. So uh, uh, speaking of of that, put yourself out there. I know you're um, you're looking at, you're, you're very involved with the uh, iChiefs and uh you know, what, what else you got going on with the ITS? I know, I, know I, I talked to you a while ago and, you know, you may not want to talk about this, but I'll bring it up. And uh, I know you're, you're maybe looking at uh, putting in for, for a position in ITS. What are you looking at doing there? Yeah, Ray, last, last Wednesday, I submitted for second vice president, the International Association's fire chief. That would put me on track to be the president of the international. It's a, a large organization. It is, does have a worldwide presence. Many of you that know me know that I'm not shy to go to the state or to Fed Congress and have conversations with them on the fire service and what our needs are. I look at it as the ability on that level. If it will be election, it'll be a contested election, and I will be reaching out to the California chiefs for support. But that would give me the ability to take California to a higher level. We haven't had an, an I chiefs president here in California in probably, I would say, at least 15 to 20 years. Uh, often the decisions are made back on the East Coast, and I want to make sure that we have that Western influence, that we're helping lead those conversations, and that we're part of the, the national landscape on the fire service and have that international influence. Uh, had a lot of great endorsements. Uh, had Ernie Mitchell and Lamont Ewell, two previous I-Chiefs presidents, and, and Ernie was the U.S. Fire Administrator, endorsed me recently and uh, have my union support. So I'm really excited about that. I think um, I want to make sure that California is on the map and we tend to be very California centric. We think about our needs, but we are better together. And I'm looking forward to the challenge of running for those positions and progressing through those ranks. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm proud to know that you're, you're doing that and, you know, proud of you for, for putting, uh, putting yourself in, in that and, and I uh, wish you the best of luck with that. And, Certainly, let us know at Calchius what we can do to help you. We, we'd love to have a, a someone representing our great state um, uh, in the international and uh, and in that position. So I wish you the best of luck, Dan, on that. Thanks, Chief. Um, so Dan, I know we wanted to. Uh, we're, we're coming up on about an hour, but um, we want to get back at some point and talk a little bit. You know, we we, we kind of talked a little bit today about what's in the in the near future what's going to go on right now 
but I wanted to uh, touch on it on another episode. You know, what what are some of those interesting things that are happening in 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 the future? But we don't want to touch on that right now. But is there anything that you wanted to touch on today that you didn't get a chance to touch on, or anything that's important that you think the chief should know about what's going on today in tech, and uh, um, and sharing um, kind of that stuff that's out there that you've seen. Let me go in a different direction. I, I think we touched on the major tech. We'll certainly talk about it in the next episode. But what I want to reinforce is the important associations. Cal Chiefs is a very important organization. Chiefs, you need to make sure that your staffs are going to the, the conventions, that they're, they're there at the conferences, that your membership is teaching at the conferences. You need to make sure that they're joining different sections. You need to make sure that you're supporting Cal Chiefs. Um, if you're not involved, then you're missing a lot of the statewide conversations, the national conversations that funnel through Cal Chiefs. You're, it, it'll, it'll hurt you in the long run if, um, if you're not familiar with, with the conversations that are going to be coming at you. The second is I truly believe we're better together. And the leadership at Cal Chiefs, extremely strong, very proud of them. Um, we need to make sure that we're supporting them by our presence. Second thing is be involved in the conversations. Software should not be adopted as um, as a bright and shiny object. We see it, we like it, we buy it. It should be very purposeful in its implementation, just like we're doing with FirstNet. Chief Guy, I really appreciate the conversation. And uh, of course, if there's anybody out there that wants additional information, you can always hit me on LinkedIn, send me your cell phone, I'll call you back. Or you can call me on my personal cell phone, 760-774-2569. I always welcome the phone calls. Thank you. Well, thanks, Chief Muncie. I really appreciate you jumping on today. Um, and you you bring up a great point in that, you know, where you are today is is based on, you know, the Cal Chiefs Association when you were when you started off in the ops section, you know. And I, I was in the ops section a long time ago and I became the president of of Cal Chiefs. And but that's where you got to start, you know. And that's the reality is, is uh, it, it's, it's incredibly important to be involved and see what's going on. And I'm, I'm super proud of you, of, of where, you, where you've come and you're a good, dear friend of mine. And we've done a lot of uh, great things together and look forward to you in that position for iChiefs. We'll talk to you soon, Dan. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Chief.